listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday morning. Now, let's turn to our next guests and topic of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're talking, we're comparing Eastern and Western styles of education with a focus in higher education. And I'm really delighted to be chatting with Dr. Lily Yang, who's an assistant professor from the Academic Unit of Social Contexts and Policies of Education from the Faculty of Education at the University of Hong Kong. Welcome to the program, Professor Yang. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Noreen, for having me. We are also live on Facebook as well, so I'd love for our listeners to join us there as well. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. I think we're up and running. So first of all, um, Professor Young, you're interested in, in this area. It's a very specific area. What sparked your interest in this topic? Thank you, Noreen. This is a great question. I guess there could be tons of things to spark one's interest in the Eastern-Western comparison based on own experience and our observation in general and perhaps in higher education. I don't know if others would feel the same, but personally, as a Chinese grew up and educated in mainland China until I received my master's degree and then I went to the UK for my um, PhD, I often feel a separation between what I learn from schools and universities and what I see and experience in reality. And I also hear people around me talking about how Western countries are different from us, how we need to learn from them. And then when I went to the UK, I found people, how people are viewing the Eastern part of the world, which are not necessarily what I under, how I understand them and how I experience that. So I started to think about how I should understand myself, my societies, um, and also the world. And then I started to uh, develop interest into this um, field. And once I get into this question, especially how differences developed, I just couldn't stop all of those historical wisdoms and ideas which just hang and linger around. Then I gradually developed this interest in the Eastern-Western comparison in higher education, what are the differences, why and how do we deal with them in a contemporary time marked by globalization because we can't really distinguish and separate East and West because everything is mingled together. So um, to me personally, these comparative works could enable me to see many things in different lenses, multiple lenses, which is itself rewarding. Mm -hmm. And also it could be very important for us in terms of how we understand ourselves, better develop ourselves and higher education and make our people settle down in peace in Chinese, which is ancient li ni. And it could also be essential to the whole humanity yeah. if we are still committed to the sustainable development and the global common good. So let's talk about your own experiences. You mentioned earlier that, you know, being educated in the mainland, what was your experience like there? And how does it then compare to then your experience studying for uh, studying in the UK? It was very different. Um, so as we were, um, we were all know that there is huge uh, I had huge ideal of competition. I was studying all day and um, sitting in uh, exams. But then there were also a lot of supports um, from the family, from society. And also I feel like I was very close to my family and to people around me. This family is not necessarily a nuclear family. I was close to my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, which is very different from um, perhaps a nuclear family in the West. 
And also, um, I realized there are a lot of different ways of learning, different ways of teaching. What are teachers' expectation of their students? I'm not sure if you um, you have heard this. That uh, BBC or British Council, I think, they um, shooted this video in terms of what would be a teacher's per perception of a students when they are quiet. Like a Chinese um, teacher would say, "Oh, this student is very hardworking, attentive, and um, note taking." Well, as a teacher from the West, perhaps he or she would be thinking, oh, these students, mm, he, he or she is not really willing to express themselves, to ask questions. Maybe she did, or he doesn't understand what I'm talking. So these different ideas and perceptions of a certain things are very different. And that might influence how we learn and how we understand each other. And that's, in my view, how a lot of misunderstandings come up because of such um, lack of understanding. Yeah. How did you then develop as a student and as a person after then you got the exposure to, say, Western style of education? Oh, that's a great question. I struggled a lot um, at that time. Um, a, sim a very straightforward example was about the critical thinking. I think nowadays, many Western countries um, and uh, teachers perhaps are having this uh, perception that students from China, for example, um, does do not have this kind of critical thinking, which I wouldn't agree because um, it's not the case. The, the difference is that we were not taught in a way of developing the kind of critical thinking that is expected in the West. So there is a, um, a gap there. So how we um, fill that gap was very, is very important. And that's what I struggled when I, when I arrived in the UK first, when I was talking with my teachers, supervisors, they were saying, oh, you need to further develop your critical thinking. And I was asking, okay, what is critical thinking and how could I do that? But gradually, gradually, when I understand what they meant, then I could show um, the critical thinking they were expecting. So I don't think there is a lack of capacity among a certain group of students. It's just a, um, a how we do things are different. And also that self-efficacy is very important here, I think. Yeah. Would, would you say in Eastern education that critical thinking is not as valued or is it not as, is it underdeveloped? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is it there? Is it taught? Um, I think it's just different ways of understanding critical thinking. Um, the Eastern, of course, Eastern here is a really big word and there are much diversity. We sure. can't really cover that. Of course. Yeah, but then, but then um, it's uh, say for how the purposes, we um, your own upbringing, say in the mainland, for example. Uh, yes, for example, um, when I was in the mainland, we were engaged in a lot of critical thinking discussions. For example, um, teachers were, were encouraging us to um, propose different ideas. We had debates, we had discussions, which were, which are absolutely the kind of critical thinking. Um, but then we were not, not using it as a critical thinking. And I think uh, the Western teacher was also expecting us to write in the same genre they were expecting to show the critical thinking. But the um, writing style in Chinese is very different from the writing style in English. There has been uh, a lot of research on that. Um, for example, how uh, Chinese writing develop, a uh, logic develops um, from a kind of a tunnel, uh, whereas a kind of circle and circle, and we gradually get into the point of the major point of the story. Well, as the English writing would be more interesting. Oh, you just um, tell what you, your main point up front in the beginning. In the That's abstract. very different. Yeah, right? sure. Exactly. 
Exactly. Then I developed the skill of writing what the paper is about in the first paragraph. Then all of the reviewers and my supervisors were happy. Yeah. So I think it's it's a matter of developing an understanding of the expectation rather than not valued or not capable. Yeah, that's such an interesting observation that, you know, just even from paper writing, there's such a big difference between, you know, where do you put the main point at the beginning or do you give more backstory and give more detail and then you go into the main point? It's almost like a, just a different way to tell a story, uh, which is, you know, um, the, the research. So what sorts of compatibility or conflicts have you seen between the two uh, different system then, um, Eastern and, and Western style? Well, thank you. This is an interesting question, which, in my view, alludes that alludes to that you are putting the two two systems in a rather opposite positions because you are using the compatibility and conflicts. Um, I often use the words such as similarities and differences, which I think could be more neutral. Um, but I think we are talking about the same things. Um, well. There are a lot of similarities and differences. I think one of them uh, from my own research is the different um, attitudes and approaches to the what is the individual private interests and what is the public interest and how we deal with them, what is the relationship between them. For example, in the West, um, the liberal tradition, the liberal approach would definitely em emphasize the supremacy of the private interests. I am the center, I'm the most important thing. My personal interests and rights is the most important thing and needs to be protected. Well, as the Chinese approach often talks about the larger self, the smaller self, um, and sometimes it's okay for the smaller self, the goods of the smaller self to be sacrificed for the larger self, like um, in that sort of um, um, in certain situations, not all situations, but there is a different preference or emphasis on what is more important. What is the, the little self and the bigger self? Okay, so the smaller self is, um, they are relational. There, there isn't a, a static, static way of looking at the smaller self. For example, when I'm talking with my family, I myself become the smaller self. The family is the larger self. So from time to time, I need to sacrifice my own goods for the good of the family. Whereas when the family become the smaller self, the broader society, maybe the community is the larger self. And so um, broadly, we can also say the world or the country is the larger self, whereas ourselves are the smaller self. Oh, okay. I see. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. And this is an uh, in, this is an interesting example of how we look at things. For example, a, a recent example is the COVID nineteen. How different societies dealt with COVID nineteen coronavirus, and we see many different comments commentary uh, theories on like some societies using more individualistic liberal approach, whereas some others are more communal or even collective in a way. But under, underneath those um, individualistic, liberal, communal, and collective uh, could be these different attitudes towards which is more important, yourself or the larger community. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, some people refuse to get vaccinated and some people, you know, wanted to, to make sure that, you know, even though they're not the vulnerable group, uh, they also, you know, vaccinated themselves to protect everybody. And of course, there was that whole debate over uh, face masks uh, as well. Um, what sorts of a a attitudes have you have you seen between 
um, for, for, from parents and from teachers be, between the two uh, different styles uh, um, of education style. You mentioned just now when you were in the UK, your professor, um, you know, explained to you what was expected of you so there was some um, understanding of what you had learned previously and how you can then adapt to that style but did they also appreciate um, you know your your roots you know perhaps the the, the diligence and the hard working and then that's not to say you know one style is more um, diligent than the other it's just I think traditionally speaking you know perhaps eastern style is all about memorizing and you know uh, a, a lot more you know a brick and mortar style of education D- did your professor sort of appreciate that aspect of it? Mm. That's a very good question. I think in a way there are still a lot of kind of overgeneralization of what is the East and what is the West and um, like how Eastern people learn and memorize and how Western people do that. Um, I think in many cases there are not that such significant differences. And um, and of course, there are different preferences, different emphasis. Um, well, in my own case, um, because but there I are doing... differences. I mean, for example, I mean, a lot of uh, Chinese uh, children will learn um, English not so phonetically, they will memorize how words are spelt. Um, whereas I think in the Western style of education, you'll learn the phonics and then you'll learn how words are spelt rather than just memorizing it like that. So I think that's a big difference in, in terms of learning uh, words and, and spelling. And it's a lot of memorization, a lot of dictation in the Chinese style of education. We see it here in Hong Kong also. Absolutely. Um, um, there was a book published a few decades ago from our university called The Chinese Learner, and they explored how Chinese um, students learn, which is quite different. Uh, whereas, for example, there were there are a lot of memorizing, and sometimes people. It's um, what I'm, I'm trying to say is that the stereotyping is not whether we are memorizing or not is uh, to uh, give a um, to give a, a label that whether this is good or not this is uh, more um, more this is less advanced or the other way is more advanced i think this is uh, related to what i was um, observing that many people see the west as more advanced more developed and we need to catch up with them we need to learn from them um whereas there is a, i think there is a potential danger of undermining our own self-efficacy here and then and i think that's very important um, but then there has been changes over time we see more and more people realize that we're just different it's not like you are more you are better positioned or i am less better positioned it we're different and it's important to get to know our own cultural roots as you were saying like diligence also respect to teachers professors that sort of a, a relationship um a, a good values uh, from our own historical and but if you roots, ask a child do they want to memorize so many words i mean looking back at your own childhood did you want so many dictations did you want to memorize all, all the words does it ultimately make you a better learner oh that's a very um, interesting question i mean i can't speak for others when i was a child i didn't enjoy it um but then I gradually, when I grew up, I realized that those memorizing, when I was memorizing, I didn't really get an understanding of it. So I didn't know why I was doing that and what was the meaning, um, the content meaning of what I was memorizing. But later on, when I grew up, when you when you know the meaning of it, then you already memorized it all. Sure. Yes. Yes. I'm the same. I feel like. 
felt like, oh, great that I memorized all those stuff and now I can know it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to get access to it. Now you know things. it and remember it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Maybe how we re remember memorize is something that we need to improve. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting topic. Maybe we'll have to revisit, you know, how can we improve memory? I'm sure it's definitely a, a topic that a lot of scholars uh, look into as well. Um, I also read that you've got a special interest in, okay, I'm going to try and pronounce this, um, epistemic equity. What is that? What does that mean? And, and, and how could that, yeah, first of all, explain what, what that means and how can that be achieved? Okay, so epistemic equity or epistemic justice. So there are a, a lot of uh, a few related terms that are talking about knowledge, how we produce, how we consume, and how we disseminate knowledge in a more equal way. Because um, we know that now the knowledge that we we learn mostly, at least in universities, are um, mostly developed by scholars from the West and uh, developed based on the Western societies. And I often do a small surveys with my students at Hong Kong U. I invite them to share uh, the most familiar theories and concepts that they, they know. Um, and uh, they are mostly educational social sciences students. Most of the time, they can easily um, talk about theories, concepts proposed in the West. For example, the human capital theory, cultural capitals, so on and so forth. Whereas then I ask them, could you share some ideas, concepts, or theories um, developed in the East, then they would have quite hard time to trying to pick it up um, and trying to explain that. Then I, I think this is a uh, is a good example of what has been excluded or at least marginalized in our um, textbooks and our curriculum mm. um, in the universities. And then um, there is a, there are more fundamental questions in terms of what is knowledge, what counts as knowledge, who decides that, and um, how we develop a more exclusive system so that we can incorporate um, knowledges that have been marginalized, particularly from the East. So this is the, the, my understanding of the uh, epistemic equity. Of course, there are other approaches, like more focusing on people's uh, researchers' identity, like fem uh, female academics, are their scholarship undervalued, so on and so forth. We can do deal with this topic in different um, aspects. Yeah. Wow, this is such an interesting discussion, Dr. Yang. I really enjoy talking to you. It really makes me think, you know, I'm also of the old school way of memorization and, and you know, m retaining knowledge like this. But of course, with the rise of AI and everything, you know, perhaps there isn't room for so much emphasis on memorize, uh, memorization or just drills of that sort. And, and I do worry about, you know, what's, what's going to be of the future um, for, for students uh, coming up and, and how can we navigate, how can we perhaps mesh the two different systems, oh, well, not just the two, there are many t styles of education out there. Um, but it's a very interesting discussion indeed. What are your final thoughts on this? Um, thank you, Noreen. I, I really enjoyed the discussion. I think there is an important topic about AI and how it is challenging our um, education system and how education, schools, teachers, universities need to respond to that challenge and get used to the new um, new and new era. Um, and my final thought would be that um, I think we are interested in East and West, but it's really important that we don't put them in a dualistic position because under each of them, there are huge um, um, diversity. And overlaps them. of the two. 
exactly. They are always interacting with each other. Like Hong Kong, a place where East and West meets and interfaces. So I think I would I would like to call for more attention and more interest from our audience to look into this area, um, either from research or based on your own experience. That would be really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Lily Young, I really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much. And we've been chatting with Lily Young, who's an assistant professor from the Academic Unit of Social Contexts and Policies of Education from the Faculty of Education at the University of Hong Kong. And I hope to have you back next time. Thank you so much, Dr. Yang, for chat soon. Thank you very much.